We're live, buddy. Folks in the surrounding area get to watch Dave Johnson eat his donut. I didn't know we were quite, quite ready to go. Anyway, uh, good morning, Southeast Iowa. We're live, we're going. We got some great guests for you today. Uh, we got a new banner up here. We got a great guest. Let's just get, let's get right to it, as they say. Don't we need another phone right underneath? I got it right here. You got one? Oh, there you go. Well, let's get started. It's getting hot here in Sigourney, Sigourney, Iowa. A little bit of heaven right here on earth. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, we're on the phone today on Good Morning Southeast Iowa with a very good friend of mine, Don Ternagel. You might know him as Donzilla. He's you got uh, the round guy with you there, too? The round guy's right here. Right here, brother. Remember, remember the round guy making a prediction, I think it was back in 97 or 98, that Iowa State would win the Iowa-Iowa State game. He's the only one in the state to do it, and he was right. Did it on the news, TV news show in Des Moines. And then everybody had to call and eat crow the rest of the week because the round guy was right and everybody else was wrong. I, I recall that. <laughs> yep, they were all calling in, giving you hell, and then then the whole next week you're like, yeah, just knew it. I had a feeling. It all broke out. So I had a premonition. Yep, and he was right. So Well, yeah, back so then, back then the Cyclones were under the tutelage of my good friend Dan McCarney. Yep. And, and, uh, and I just knew... I, I made that prediction based on my interactions with Dan McCarney because this guy was so passionate and he was so focused. I just thought, you know what, they're going to pull this out. And I was going to come defense. in. And... He was a good defense. He, he was a defensive, really good defensive coach. Exactly. Always had good defenses. But he, you know, I mean, he knew Iowa was going to come in and be a little bit cocky. A little bit overconfident, and that just makes any team ripe for any kind of upset, don't you think? Yeah, he was in Iowa. That was that game was in Iowa City too. So, so with that, do you, do you think they got an outside chance to make the college football playoffs this year? Do you, do you have that feeling? Is there a chance to get into that? Iowa State, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I I really think so. I I really they, like this quarterback. Yeah. Now we need them to lose to Oklahoma during the season, then beat them in the championship game. So we need to we need to flop what we did this last year with them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think Iowa State with the offense they've got now and and the direction they're headed, uh, I don't think you can count them out of any game, regardless of whether or not they're favored or not. Yeah, and Big Twelve, who knows? Uh, you just don't know which team is uh, going to be hot. Um, Oklahoma State could be tough. Oklahoma's Oklahoma's been good since they made a football. <laughs> since they invented football, Oklahoma was like good at it. Yes, they so, yeah, they are. You're right. Yeah, nicest fans too. For some reason, Oklahoma fans are always nice. When I used to go to Jack Trice Stadium when I was a kid, Oklahoma fans, even though we we're going to get beat by fifty, they'd be like, oh, I don't know, you got a pretty good left tackle. We're going to have trouble with. They were the most gracious fans. Um, 
and Texas fans always were too. So it was strange because it was like, geez, they're nice down there. Do you say the same thing about Hawkeye fans? No, they 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 say some awful things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I heard a lot of a lot of swear words uh, when I was a kid walking with my father, and you have your cycling stuff on. You got uh, old tavern hawk drunks uh, calling your mom the c word. Yeah. So, I mean, you, oh, got, yeah. you you really they uh, they get after you hard. My dad uh, he couldn't believe it when he first worked in Northeast Iowa. He's like, "Geez, why why are they so angry?" <laughs> he couldn't under he couldn't get past it. So that's just part of a rivalry, I guess. I'm sure they have it in every other state. Sure. Well, what about uh, Dave Johnson here has been cajoling me with your movies all the way over here. And and I want you to talk about your movie career and, and what's up in the future and some of the movies you've made already and how people can see some of them. And Well, every you... single thing we've done is on that new um, streaming site, Tubi where it's free with ads, which we're thrilled with that because that's a huge, huge streaming service that we got included on. I, and, I just got Tubi. Yeah, it's on every TV, so you just click on, you can basically go to, they even got four stand-up specials on there, too. What, um, what movie would you recommend I go home and immediately turn on? Uh, Happies. Happies is one of our, our uh, easiest ones. It's in black and white. Which the reason it's in black and white is we were getting ready to shoot it, and the place we were shooting at had fluorescent lights. So we were having trouble getting a color balance with those fluorescent lights in this place. Okay. So Clint Bavers, my nephew, who's the director of photography, he goes, well, he goes, I know a way you could solve it. I go, how? He goes, go black and white. And I'm like... We can't go black and white. I, I, so then we put in jokes in the movie to make fun of the fact we're going black and white. Um, because I'm like, God, can we do black and white? He goes, yeah, why not? And so we did black and white just to get around that solve of that fluorescent lights. Because it's weird to color film cameras for fluorescence. It does strange things. And so we had to find a way around that, which that was our way around. You know, I watched that movie and I absolutely loved it. And I love the character Happy. He was oh, happy. so funny. Happy's like a, everybody knows a happy in their life. Yeah, he's like you know what I mean. When I was just in 1983, you know what I mean. I was just you know getting old enough to go to the bars and things. You know what I mean. And there was a guy like Happy in every Eagles club, in every VFW, in every tavern. There'd be some guy in there with that same attitude, saying all these things that would basically get you arrested today. But they're so damn funny. They were always so funny the way they said it, you know. Well, the guy is the guy is such a good actor because the guy who played Happy Gary Van Wert is a former Methodist minister. <laughs> so, wow! And he, and he soaked that character up because I checked with him. I go, "Are you okay saying some of this stuff?" He goes, "Oh no, it's fine." And he was thrilled he got to drink on set because our movies we let people just drink. You know, because it usually calms them down a little bit, because they usually say, well, have a few drinks, and then the lines are pretty easy after that. And then it doesn't really matter. You're basically just uh, going to have a good time with it. But we did so many takes in the beginning that he put the lid on his gin, because he said he was starting to feel it pretty heavy. <laughs> so he had, to, he had to fake that he was drinking at the beginning of it, the last few parts of it. So if you look closely, you'll see the lid on his gin for his last few takes. Uh. 
because he was getting he's getting kind of pickled in the morning when we're funny. doing that. He, yeah, he was amazing. I really liked. You know, I, I did remember the movie being in black and white at the beginning, but uh, you know when it switches from like 1983 to 2020 or whatever it is, uh, yeah. I didn't even notice it being in black and white. To be honest, well, with it, you. yeah, your eyes your eyes kind of trained to it, and it wasn't. Uh, it, it's harder to shoot in black and white because we had to use different lights. And there's a few scenes where I had a a bit of a bit of an exposure issue. But, I mean, we're, we're micro-budget, so, I mean, I have to light it. And then another problem we have is Iowa, it's sometimes hard to work with people because they never believe you. Um, you could, you know, I went to film school, but around here they're just like, oh, whatever, I don't, hurt you. I don't know what you're, you know. So it's hard to find crew that will listen to you, saying, here, I need you to do it this way. And, and you know, they took one class at community college and they want to talk down to you like, well, no, no, you got to do it. I'm like, no, trust me, just do it this way and it will work. So it is hard to find crew around here that will fall in and, and do what you want them to do. We are but, talking with Don Zilla uh, from Central Iowa, stand-up comic extraordinaire and a filmmaker extraordinary. Uh, what's coming up in the works? And the other more important question, why haven't you used me yet in any of your movies? <laughs> I didn't know you were available, but you're not uh, looking too round anymore. You're looking too fit. We need I, you to round it up a little bit more. I am down to one belt now. <laughs> I know. That's not the round guy anymore. Now you're the rectangle guy. Uh, I'm the svelte guy. Yeah. Gina calls the show the round guy and the square guy. Yeah, we need to. You're getting a different shape now. We need you rounder. Uh, but yeah, the next thing we got is that uh, horror film Sin. Uh, just finished that. That's going to be in a theater July 17th. Um, that's a continuation of the uh, the movie the Red, wasn't it? Doing. Didn't you make a horror movie called Red? Red is the first part of it. Sin would be the. Uh, this is the continuation of it. So it's in the same. Uh, same storyline of that uh, that monster movie that young Tommy Mavis uh, becoming a monster. So it's pretty uh, pretty your, heavy stuff, but it's comedy horror. Now your first movie was Bros, wasn't it? Yeah, those are just uh, simple old bar hangout movies. There's Bros, Bros on the Rocks, and Bros Last Call, and those were just simple, simple stuff like. Uh, you know, two guys hanging out at a bar for a night, and I mean, just about the simplest plot line you could come up with. I got criticized by a lot of people for, well, the plot line's simple, but one thing I learned in film school, you do these low, low-budget movies, you got to keep everything in front of you, because if you're chasing after stuff, you'll never get it done. It'll take you 10 years to get something finished, and and you got to keep things simple at this budget level. Where did you where did you go to film school, Donzilla? UNLV. Well, that's University perfect. of Atlanta, Las Vegas, yep. Perfect for you if you want to do some stand-up, right? You do any yep, of that that's, that's how I got into stand-up. I walked home from film school, and they were giving um, free lattes to uh, uh, people who did open mic comedy. So if you did open mic comedy, you got a free latte. and So that's why I started doing comedies for free, free lattes at the <laughs> coffee shop. That's funny. Yeah, and then a few months later, I was at a lounge show doing... Uh, doing comedy on the strip and then uh so that was just kind of an accidental and then after i graduated that was the job i had because i kept getting work so i just kept doing stuff on the road thought well i'll get a 
job one day, but this is kind of fun for now. Some people do anything for a latte. Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. So, that was good coffee, though. They made a good latte. That guy was from California, and uh, he did a good latte. What could they have got you to do for a Klondike bar? Yeah, <laughs> you only had to do five minutes of comedy. So, I mean, if, if you... Uh, if you sucked really bad, it didn't really matter because you only had to be up there for five minutes. So it wasn't uh, wasn't that painful. What's your favorite heckle story? I'm sure some things had to happen out of the ordinary. Why I think the, one of the craziest ones that ever happened was uh, down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where a table of guys wanted to get into a Who's Your Mama contest. And we got going on it pretty hard. And... and uh, crowd was having a good time but then i i hit one that went a little too far for him so he threw a beer mug at us up on stage Uh-oh. and the four of them came chasing up the stage to come at me security took them out and by the time we ended the show they wanted me to get off stage because they were scared but i said now we'll finish the show i i said i think this was a terrorist attack on comedy and we have, we can't let the terrorist uh, hecklers win you know it was during post uh post 9-11 so i you know crowd had a good time with it but at the end of the night they had amassed a crowd of all their buddies out front so we had to do a police escort back to the hotel and the cops took my girlfriend in the cop car and i followed them in my lincoln the drunkest i've ever been driving behind a cop car i've never he didn't even ask me if i was sober to drive but i thought at one point i'm way too drunk to drive this lincoln and i'm following a cop car and they're okay with it so they drove us back with a police escort and then the next night they didn't think i'd come back the next night we were there the place was sold out because they thought it was just crazy that i would come back after all those threats that is amazing yeah, that but, may have I mean, been the best acting job you've ever done. Right? <laughs> Driving your car home drunk. Oh my god! I could, at one point I thought this is this is amazing that this is even happening, but uh, we'll just go with it. And round guy always asks about heckle stories. I told him I said you'll get some good ones from Dawn. Oh, we have a we have a ton of them, but uh, that was the one that was probably the. Uh, the craziest because that was the only one that ended with me following a cop car i got a few Um, i got a few stories uh, if you let me indulge a little bit i'd be shocked if you didn't okay so the first time i worked with don we did the bridgeview center right and we got protested this was before protesting was a thing you know what i mean so protest oh yes oh they they called the radio station they went to the city council people went to the bridgeview center directors and they just weren't going to have us, and it just come into the... Well, it turned out, no no press is bad press, because all their protesting did was we sold the place out, then we sold it out again. I think we sold it out a third time later. Uh, but I didn't I, know what they, were, what they were protesting. I didn't know what the what was the issue that they were upset with. I never got what, what they were after with that. Um, nobody ever could say, I don't want you doing this. Um... They just didn't want that. I think the protest uh, was because you opened for Dave Johnson instead of the other way around. (laughs) That's what it was. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it had something to do with Dave. I don't think it had anything to do with me. What I remember is I hadn't been doing comedy that long, you know, and I only had to be on for a short time. And I turned on the music as loud as I could, and I just went in there and slid into the thing. uh, You lip synced. 
into the microphone. I just went in there like I was stealing home or something and just slid across there. They were they were protesting Dave actually doing stand up. I think that's what it was, Dave. Yeah. I think that would make sense to me. There's always been a lot of head wave. If you've yeah. seen Dave's act, you know that that is quite possibly the truth. <laughs> Another yeah, I time got for it. It was Dave. I remember I remember Don Zilla and me uh, watching him sing uh, "Summer Lovin'" in Kiyosakwa. Was that where's that was that the place down on the river? Yeah. Okay, I kind of remember that. No, wait, they had a bed and breakfast down there, and they had uh, a, they had like a, oh, man, they had a really good brunch in the morning. I do remember that. Okay. Then, I always remember places by food. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. We used to play at Wellman. They said, oh, yeah, they got a great meal there at Kelowna. And we used to stay in Kelowna. And used to, yeah. used yeah, to have coffee with the places. farmers there in the morning. Yeah, and then that I, I remember Kelowna because, yeah, they did have a restaurant in town there. It was good. And they had a place right next to... The Kelowna Inn, and this guy who ran that bar said something to me I'll never forget. He was talking about um, dealing with, like, liquor board in the state of Iowa. He says they want you to buy the liquor. They want you to sell the liquor. They want to get the tax on the liquor. They just don't want anybody to drink the liquor. (laughs) It stuck with me forever because I was like, oh, my God, if that's not true. That's the way people in southeast Iowa see things, I guess. Yeah. No, yeah, he, uh, he used to have good scotch at that little. That was a nice little bar right next to that hotel. You could have a nightcap there, and oh, it was a classic, classic bar. Carpeting on the walls, I think, or he had no, he had carpeting in there, and kind of a panel wall, so it was kind of like a windowless, dark bar. It looked really cool in there. Nice dude, really nice your, guy. On your way out of town, you can pick up some delicious uh, cheese as well. Yeah, cheese curds. Oh, in Kelowna, yeah. cheese curds, yeah. Yeah, and there, wasn't there, there's Amish down there, too. Was it Amish or Mennonite? They got a, a store there, Stringtown Groceries. I go there quite a bit. They got some really good stuff. Okay. The, uh, the grocery store, the side, had a chi- used to have a chicken restaurant in there, too. I wonder if they still have that. I think the grocery store had that cafe with the chicken off that. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Geez, now I'm remembering this. Geez, uh, yeah, it's weird how when you get older, the things you remember from the road are the food. Didn't like a... <laughs> hey, what's your name again? <laughs> used to be a place in Spokane, Washington called the Apple Barrel Restaurant when I'd work up there they had a, a lightly breaded pork chop that would go with the pork chop and eggs um, God, they'd put a, uh, a jalapeno sauce on the top of it unbelievable Wow! Place. So, gosh, if we uh, left right now we could be there by tomorrow noon <laughs> <laughs> Don Zilla on the line with us, famed filmmaker, famed stand-up comedian. Uh, this pandemic has undoubtedly thrown a wrench in, in both of those activities. Uh, are you starting to come out from under that and get things going oh, again? I, I haven't done stand-up. I uh, didn't do stand-up for, oh, like 2000. I stopped after I had my son, kind of, you know, because you have weekends, you want to be around your kid. So I didn't really do much, but I'm going to try to do a couple coming up. Just but The problem is I don't know what it's going to be like when you try stand up again. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's gotten really, really worked up and sensitive, so I don't know what that's going to even feel like doing that again. I mean, I might run half the audience, and they might be, you know, I, I, I am a walking trigger warning. I don't know if that's going to work out too well. For, <laughs> well, as long <laughs> as you don't share the stage with Dave Johnson, there'll be no yeah. protests. <laughs> But, I the mean, protests help. I would say protest everything I did. 
Oh, they have. Uh, believe me. In yeah. some way. So it, it, I don't know what it does. Stand up would be like. I see people starting to try to do it again. Um, they're doing because uh, comedy clubs aren't aren't really the most COVID friendly thing because they're usually packed in a basement somewhere. So, but if half the country's vaccinated and the other third have already had it, we should be should be coming out. My my understanding is that some of these comedy clubs are operating now, but kind of in a uh, half seating capacity. That's what the uh, movie theaters are doing right now, too, which I don't understand how a movie theater is more dangerous than an airplane. and You can be full capacity on an airplane. I'll never get that. You, I, I can't can't understand that because the airplane, you're all breathing the same. Well, airplane. I think uh, the airplane can operate at half capacity, and I don't see how a theater could operate at half capacity. Well, I mean, how many times do you go to a movie theater and it's it's full? I mean, it usually is half capacity all the time anyway. I mean, well, that's probably true. Yeah, you go to a movie at 3 in the afternoon, there's pretty, just like 15 of you checking it out. and I mean, yeah, they do have some opening nights. I mean, you got, you got Avengers on, you're going to have a packed house or Star Wars. But majority of the movies, you got just a handful of people around. And, I mean, uh, they're not always packed every... every uh, so I never understood when they closed those. I didn't know they were that dangerous. Is your movie but, or, Your movies have won some awards and stuff, haven't they? Oh, yeah, we won uh, for Happy's, Happy's won Best Comedy at the Europe Film Festival, which uh, I don't know why Europe liked it, but they got a kick out of the uh, the wine jokes we did. Um, of course, probably the thing is with Happy's, we got a few characters that are like American characters, which Europeans would get a kick out of that. I mean, you know, if Europe made a movie and they had a French guy running around chasing women and smoking cigarettes with a beret, we'd probably laugh about that because... It's a character of what we think of a Frenchman. So we had a few of those in Happy's where uh, the Europeans would get a kick out of that sort of thing. You you, um, you were big on the BBC there for a little while, weren't you? No, I wasn't big on it. I was just on it. Um, there's one show I was on. I was on a show in Japan that got big. I was on like a top show in Japan. So when I used to meet Japanese people, they'd call me lounge comic guy. I didn't know what they're talking about, but I found out I was part of a TV show when they filmed it in Vegas, and it showed all over Japan, and I was the comic on stage when they were filming it. Because they asked me the night we were doing it in Vegas, they're like, can we include you in the show? I signed some, said, yeah, whatever. You know, there's just Japanese guys with a camera. Like, you haven't seen that everywhere you go. I mean, <laughs> anywhere you see a Japanese in America, they got a camera. See, sure. this assume it's all that un- un- unnatural. Um, so I just signed off on it and come to find out like a few years later because Japanese guys would always come up and want to take pictures because they recognized me from that show and come to find out it was like a big show in Japan so I'm probably like a soup Nazi character in Japan (laughs) did you get any residuals then? no no I just signed off on it so they could use the likeness didn't you know it was fine with me Um, so in the beginning in the beginning you're suddenly approached by these Japanese kids uh, and they want a picture with you. I mean, you had no idea what it was about. I had no idea until somebody said, oh, yeah, hey, you know, somebody who knew uh, Japanese and uh, knew what was going on over there kind of told me, like, hey, you know, you're in that one episode, and you kind of stuck out because, I mean, you usually see a comedy. It's like a little Jewish guy like Woody Allen up there, you know, kind of slumping up jokes. It's, you know, not some weird square-headed Norwegian up there talking vulgarities. 
Well, it would have been so, nice. It would have been nice to have gotten some residuals, but oh, I wish I could have signed up for that. But I just signed off thinking it was nothing. But but even so, that's got to be pretty flattering, right? It was. It was cool. It was cool, um, and it was kind of funny too, because in a way you're like, okay, this is kind of funny that I was in something like that. But it is a uh, Japanese television is weird, man. They like run around kick each other in the nuts and you know they're doing a lot of strange stuff over there really? a lot of cartoony weird stuff man when i was in japan i watched them on the tv i'm like what the hell are these guys on man was it like jackass it's it, it's like that but it's weird and they're they're horny japanese are horny you wouldn't think of them that way but man there's some we left right now <laughs> i could use all the help i could get uh, Donzilla. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Donzilla, we're, we're here at the market on the square in Sigourney, Iowa. We put this together to help uh, this business here. Anyway, Donzilla is a master at impressions. Could you give us some of your impressions? This is Dave Johnson. We're here at the market square. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Keep them coming. Uh, you hear me, Dave? I heard you. Uh, <laughs> um, try to think. I can't really do them as well as I used to. Uh, the throat's kind of throat's kind of off a bit. Um, geez, I can't remember some of them I did. The only one I can think of right now is yours. I guess. Remember the, you used the to do night? Jimmy Stewart, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and Christopher Watkins. Yeah, see, the Christopher Walken is everybody does that. That's not really, you just kind of stutter your voice more like, huh, huh, yeah, you know, but that's really all you have to do for that. Stuart, you have to roll a little bit, uh huh, uh huh. I mean, that's, you, as soon as you get those noises down, then you can do them. And Schwarzenegger's more like a, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, you got to do a scream like somebody uh, grazed your nuts. You know, ah, you know that, you know, got to get that in there, so. Really, uh, impressions, like I got a friend who tells me, um, used to be able to be a good impressionist, but it's now come down to just three voices that all sound the same. And what, he's kind of right. <laughs> what so, about, I, my understanding is is you you do a Gilbert Gottfried that would make you think he's right here with us. Yeah, that, <laughs> I can't do Gilbert Gottfried. I don't know where, um, Dave's got to be thinking of somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, Gilbert Gottfried, that'd be a tough one to do. Uh, one of the best impressions I ever seen is Bill Hader. He can do an Alan Alda, and he can, he looks like Alan Alda when he's doing it. And I don't know anybody that does an Alan Alda impression. But there's some new impressionists that are doing some stuff. I'm like, how the hell did they pull that off? Uh, the best one I ever saw was Frank Gorshin, the Riddler. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He did a stage show I saw in Arizona once. He would actually contort himself in his face and could look like the person he was doing. It was like, how does he do that? I mean, he would do an Edward G. Robinson, which that's a really old impression. But he would contort and make his face look like Edward G. Robinson. And you'd be like, how the hell did he do that? Rich Little was a really, really great one, too. I got to meet him, and he was a big prankster, too. So he used to call people and do different voices, but... He did. Uh, he did do all the presents. He'd bring out a podium that would have the seal, of the presents, and he would go through and impersonate like every single present that he could do. <laughs> like he'd start with Kennedy and go all the way up to uh, the Clinton. Wow! And 
it was yeah, it was fun to watch. He'd do a whole section of the show about it. I, I met him twice. I I was in the the Tropicana uh, dressing room with with him. He did the show before ours. Really small hands, really small, delicate hands, like a like an Indian doctor. He he does the Nixon on the Futurama. He told me. I didn't know that. His Nixon's dead on. He he used to do Nixon and swear. Really? Like say really offensive things, and he would stop and say, "I can't believe Richard Nixon said those things." Rich Little would never say those things. <laughs> it used to crack me up because I'm like, "God, that's funny." Oh, but he, yeah, he did a Nixon. He does a Nixon better than anybody. His Carson is. Um, he actually played Carson in that movie that they did about Late Night. Um, it's just amazing what these guys can do. It's like, how do you do that? And I think he can do well over a hundred voices. Did you, uh, or, uh, you had a, a guy from, uh, Saved by the Bell that used to come watch you all the time, wasn't it, in Vegas? Oh, no, the guy who directed it. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, him and his son were good friends of mine. The guy who directed Saved by the Bell, he's dead now, uh, Don Barnhart. Uh, but, uh, his son, Don Barnhart Jr., uh, runs a comedy club out there, hell of a guy. Um, he was in, uh, he was in the documentary that my, my nephew made a documentary and he got him in it. What comedy club does he run in Vegas? Do you know? I think it's, uh, I think he was tied to the one called Delirious. That's at, uh, the Grand downtown. He's tied to that one. And then, uh, I think he has, it's called Jokesters. It's at, uh, I think it's at Alexis Park now. That's at, uh, property just right off. Uh, Flamingo, right down from Bally's. There's that Alexis Park um, Hotel Casino. I think it's Alexis Park down there. Maybe it's Tuscany. I can't remember what the name it is. I know. I remember the property he was at. It used to be uh, across the street from the Westin, which used to be the old uh, Maxim Hotel. And he's he's been out there a few years now. Um, even even ran a. Uh, uh, TV uh, showcase. Actually, the last time I was out there, I did his little TV showcase where he was doing. Um, a jokester's uh, comedy show he was putting on uh, the television spots out there. He had a few other uh, affiliates that were playing it. I wound up being good friends with Dustin Diamond. Uh, he yeah, that's too Street. bad what happened to him. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't get um, much notice. I don't even think it was 30 days. Well, said, it was sad because he said he didn't want his grave notified. He didn't want anybody to mess with his grave, which is that's kind of sad. I mean, you know, that's. Uh, Oh, that show! Do you think think about that? Saved by the Bell. That thing still plays. It was huge. That, yeah, that, I mean, that show still is playing. People still watch that stuff. It's in you know, it's always in syndication. You can find that on. I think they even played that on. Uh, like they played it on TBS early morning, but I think they're playing it on like a, a few other channels. I see it. Every time you click on it, you gotta watch the shows. I mean. Um, yeah, that's just pure nostalgia when you watch it now because it's just like, God, that's a long time ago that show was uh, made. You know, back in the day, uh, we had Dustin Diamond. He was at the uh, comedy club in Des Moines, and I was doing radio then, and we had him in the in the studio that Friday morning. And when I booked the interview, they said, uh, don't ask him about Saved by the Bell. And I said, oh, all right, uh, yeah, and I told... Lou and Heather, I said, I guess we're not supposed to talk about Saved by the Bell. So he came in, in the studio, and we were having a great time talking about everything except Saved by the Bell. And after about a half an hour, 
he said to us, he said, why aren't you guys asking me about Saved by the Bell? And, and we said, well, we were told we couldn't. And he said, oh, no. And then for like the next hour and a half, we couldn't shut him up about Saved by the Bell. It was why, funny. Yeah, why would he want to talk about the show? I mean, I mean that, that, just, that just baffles me when people don't want to talk about their stuff. I'm like, well, that's a, well, we that's had, a... this, had the same experience with Jimmy Walker. Yeah, he don't like to yeah. say Yeah, he didn't want to talk about uh, his TV show and... <clears throat> and and so we just decided some of these comics or actors, whatever, they get a little high strung and there's something uh, in their experience they don't want to talk about. And so they ask, hey, listen, that, let's not talk about this or that. So we just took it in stride. But I thought it was kind of funny that we were going to acquiesce to, to not talking about Saved by the Bell. And he s turned around and said, hey, I want to talk about it. So... You never know. Yeah, because he was on every season of that show, even yeah. the original one that was set in Indiana. Do you ever see the original um, season of Saved by the Bell? They were like in <clears throat> like junior high. It was set in Indiana, and it was um, Screech and um, Zach were in it, but they had like a whole different other cast, and all of a sudden the next year it's all of a sudden set in uh, in Los Angeles or Southern California. So it was kind of strange because they had Haley Mills in the original season. This is weird that I know all this about this show, but you should be on Jeopardy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I could. But the beautiful thing about Saved by the Bell is somebody has a theory because Zach was not good with women and he was kind of geeky in the original episode, the original season. So they have a fan theory that Zach was daydreaming about the Bayside things that he's actually back in Indiana in the junior high daydreaming about being the high school cool guy uh, going to Bayside in California. Ah, I see. That's the, it's, I mean, I love fan theories because, you you know, you look at it, you're like, wow, that actually makes that even yeah, cooler. It could be. Yeah, We're talking like with Don Zilla in the uh, town square here in the lovely hamlet of Sigourney, Iowa. Don Zilla, an Iowan himself, Famous uh, filmmaker and stand-up comic. We're enjoying reminiscing with you, Donzilla, and uh, talking about some early TV shows and some of your stand-up. You mentioned uh, uh, doing your comedy to begin with in Las Vegas. Dave the Rave has performed in Vegas. I, too, used to, uh, once a year, do a week at the Riviera in Vegas, and it went so well, uh, they tore the place down. <laughs> now Riviera, they used to film everything at the Riviera. Yeah, every the casino was filmed there. Yes, um, they even included the Lawn Bronson band in that. And uh, I remember the lounge band that played. That was the Lawn Bronson band. They used to play there every weekend, so I used to go see the Lawn Bronson band. Those guys are great, and they were even in the movie too. But I got Riviera though. That was uh, man, that was a dusty casino. But an um, icon, like you said, a lot of films made there. And yeah. I was performing there the week 9-11 occurred. Oh, jeez. And it was crazy. And the other comics and I, we were, as any comics would be, fearful about being paid. And we, we had thought that they would cancel our shows. But uh, what I remember most was not only did they not cancel our shows, Every show from there on out was packed, 
And afterwards, people were just thanking us profusely because they wanted a distraction. They oh, needed, that was, they needed that a was the golden age. Of, I believe that was, in my era of doing stand-up, that was the golden age of it was 2000 all the way up to 2006 or 7 I think was a golden age because you it was a party there were one nighter runs where you could go Tuesday through Saturday even find a showcase and so I mean you could go every night we could you do runs through Canada where you literally could work Monday through Sunday yeah now you speak of that you could just work I mean you you could find a, a place that would have you in on a Monday night and they would I mean, they would click it open, and then a hundred people would show up for that. Now, um, you've been banned yeah. from uh, Canada and Alabama, didn't you? Weren't you at one time? What's that? Weren't you banned from Canada and a place? I, yeah, I was not allowed in Canada for two years. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. And then when I got to come back, boy, was that an epic run? Because I, I, you know, I made good friends up there, and you. This is speaking of food. Best Chinese food I ever had is in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Lee Saigon Cafe on Second Street. I was banned there. The guy had the best lemon pepper chicken I've ever had in my life, and I was banned there for two years. Because anytime I went through Saskatoon, I'd stop and get the same thing. He'd know exactly what I wanted. Hadn't been there two years. Rolled in, recognized me right away. He goes, "You want number six, extra spicy." I go, yep. <laughs> the guy knew me and recognized me right away. He used to stay at the senator down there. Uh, there'd be an old hotel. They, was, they said it was haunted, but uh, I never saw anything. I'm, I'm too out of it to even notice if a ghost, a ghost could be hitting me on the head with something I wouldn't notice. So you got banned. You got, did the guy go, no sushi for you? No, no sushi no, for you. That, but Saskatoon, they had, um, they had, Saskatoon was fun. Uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, that was an interesting city, which they do a lot of films there. And then Calgary, if you ever go to Calgary in Canada, like Calgary and Winnipeg, or I mean Calgary, not uh, not Winnipeg, but Calgary and Edmonton, that's what I'm thinking of. If you ever go to um, those cities over there in uh, that side of Canada, it is just like Texas. Really? They have oil derricks. I mean, they're an oil area. Um, those cities are just like cities in Texas. It's really strange, just like Canadian Texans. All right, so how do, kinda, you, how do you get banned from Canada? Tell us that oh, story. Oh, well, yeah, didn't they that I did? Um, I, I paid for the proper permit to work there um, the time I was up there. The places I, put, I went to did not file proper paperwork. So I worked two weeks illegally without knowing it. So the next time I went up, I was going to a festival and going to do a month of work up there. They stopped me at the border, took me in a back room, and questioned me on working illegally. And I said, no, if I filed all proper paperwork, I was told to file. They said, no, you you know, trying to get me to admit to it. I didn't know I did it because, as far as I knew, I was filing the proper paperwork. So the guy said, us Canadians don't like dealing with dishonest bad people. And I said to him, I go, don't you have open trade with Cuba? (laughs) <laughs> and that, that was the problem. So they kicked me out and sent me back. I was banned for two years because that guy was so pissed I said that. Went back to the American side, and they were laughing so hard about it. They said, we're supposed to search your car. Why were you kicked out? I go, working illegally as a comedian. They go, oh, they're kicking comedians out now? I go, I guess we're going to search your car for, like, rubber chickens. And <laughs> I mean, 
they were laughing on the American side. So on the American side, the Border Patrol that night, we went out and had dinner and had drinks. So I hung out with Border Patrol on the American side and uh, stayed at a hotel just right across the border. But I hung out with those guys. Those guys were cool, but they thought it was the funniest thing ever. Oh, that I was is, like, that's funny. I go, yeah, getting in the United States is easy. And it goes, <laughs> they said, yeah, it's from the southern border. <laughs> so, so you have a lot of Iowa actors, though. That you seem to use in some of the movies again, uh, little cast of guys you like to work with. Tell us about some of them and how that's changed some of their lives. Well, it's just it's just people around here that are available. Because when I first started uh, trying to make movies in the area, the first place I called was the local theater, um, the community theater actors, and the guy just told me to go to hell. Said none of them wanted anything to do with it. Really? So we just basically. I mean, anybody who's around the area, like, we use a lot of regular people that, like, hey, have you ever bartended? Yeah? Okay, can you play a bartender? I mean, that's normally what we're doing is just people we know and my wife knows. Well, let, like, let me make sure around, I give like, you my phone number. <laughs> what's that? Let me make sure I give you my phone number. Yes, I need people. Always need people. Out of your huckleberry. Uh, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of people that no call no show on us too. That what? Of, they just don't call in, don't show up. That's no call no show on us. We're like we'll be ready to shoot and and they just won't show up. Well, that costs you a lot of money, I'm sure. Well, it, and the other thing too is you you may have your script ready, then you have to pull a script out, redo something, refigure something, and then call your buddy down the street like, "Hey, what are you doing today?" Well, I don't know. Well, come on down. I'll buy you a few drinks. Can you, uh, can you kind of get this down real quick? <laughs> can you, can you remember these three jokes? I mean, that's kind of what we've been having to do. Um, Happy's the original cast fell out for the liquor store. They fell out uh, two days before because they said they thought the jokes were dated. I'm like, of course they're dated because we're doing stuff tied to 1983. So a couple younger actors said, well, we want to rewrite. Uh, we. Uh, don't think you know comedy as well. And what? Keep in mind, these are kids that just graduated high school that were supposed to play these roles, but then they want to tell you you don't know anything. Yeah. So the two guys who took the spot were the two producers, my nephew and Brom, the producers. They had to fill in and, and cover those roles with a day's notice. I mean, and then Matt, who wins the Best Supporting Actor with Indy, Indy uh, Rights, he was a last-second fill-in. I said, we need to come up with something. So we just basically patched that character together at, you know, a day or two notice because we had actors that tried to take a power move on us. I worked with him in Burlington, I think, one time. Matt, is it Ingersoll or what's his last Matt, name? Matt Lee Ingbertson. He's, he's, uh, he's the guy who was in Bros. And yeah. He co-wrote, uh, produced with me, co-wrote uh, Bros on the Rocks. Which, uh, that, that's a pretty fun one. Is he the yeah, lawyer so. in that movie, in Happy's? No, no, that's Joey Labata. Oh, he's funny. That's, yeah, he's, he's funny. Those guys, him and Landon Sheets is one of the other. Joey Labata, they're out of um, Cedar Rapids. Joey Labata's funny. Because um, I told him, I said, we need a really weird, eccentric, just off type guy. And he says, yeah, I think I got something. We can... So as soon as he... Some of his off takes were just so wacky and weird that... I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if we can take the audience there. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, he, he's a, he was a fun guy. He's a good guy. 
There's another kid in that movie that's uh, kind of uh, Norwegian looking. He's got kind of a dry sense of humor, but I thought he's great in that movie too. What's his name? I don't know. He's he kind of Norwegian looking. Uh, he's he looks a little similar, like he could be related to you. He's one of the two clerks. Uh, it's like there's a long haired guy and then this other guy. Oh, the the long haired guy is Clint. That's my nephew. Okay. Yeah. And he's uh, Clint Bavers. That's my nephew. He, he's the one who made the documentary too. So he just graduated from Iowa Central with uh, media. Now he's working at the TV station in town too. Well, who was that guy that was his partner in that? That was. Uh... Uh, that's Brom. That's the other producer. And then there's Matt Lee Inkrinson. He's the one who plays Frank, the guy who uh, is the oh. drunk that knows everything about liquor. Yeah, he's that was who, he was great. Yeah, he's the one who trains um, Caleb. Uh, who plays land and going through the aisles and telling him about each liquor and kind of hit one of my favorite lines is when he um, looks at black velvet and he says, uh, have you ever seen a couple kids fight with a couple of dogs in a trailer park? He goes, no, you will on that every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, 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 yeah, there's a lot. Of like, we, you got a black velvet joke in this. So I was happy about that. Is it, is it like if Jack Daniels, if you ever need to go to a Kid Rock show? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Scotch joke, I love that one. He goes, so what all's uh, Matt? Matt's been on a lot of stuff and uh, got some credits, and he seems to be the star of your actors. Well, he's um, he's the one I really trust with jokes because he's he's able to act. He angles for the camera well, and he understands the timing of a joke, so you can, like, Give him, like, okay, here's the jokes I want. He'll always have a few that he wants in. And sometimes i got to pull him back a little bit because he can really go, uh, he, he could go wild on you um, with a few jokes. So we're like, okay, um, uh, do you realize the uh, <laughs> what we're going to open up if we do that? And he'd be like, oh, but Don, it'd be so much fun. But I'm like, yeah, you're right. It would be fun, but uh, we're in a different era now. So I don't know sure. if you want to go that level. Um, this so, won't yeah, play he, in Canada. He's he's one like you, you know how you see the girls out jumping rope, and you, you come in and run in. He's good at almost every role where he can just run in and start jumping rope right away. Like uh, where you see the girls doing the double. That's the best way I think to describe him. He can just kind of fit in, and and really he, he's the only one of our actors that has done some drama too. So I I don't know I just trust him with a role because he usually gets into the character really well where. He'd be like, this is what I think this character would wear. This is what this character would do. So he gets into the one-on-one of it. So I do trust him with about any any character. I may I may want to have him play something different, like a priest or something. Maybe uh, really throw it off. <laughs> um, Josh Bash is, does a good job in that movie. Really good job. Yeah. Uh, Bash is just, um, he really is, he, he's just got uh He's got that sarcastic, arrogant um, way of uh, doing the Harry the Hipster character. But in Happy's, we gave him a completely different character, like an East Coast guy. And I thought he was really funny. Yeah, I was surprised at how good he pulled that off. Yeah, I I knew he just kind of settles into it. And um, it took him a little while to find the voice because I said, once you find your voice you want to do, I go think like Philadelphia or, you know, New Jersey, but not too much because you're in the midwest but um i loved how he was like just busting balls where whatever the kid said he was going to go the other way yeah it was it was he was yeah 
What and about I know a lot uh, of guys like that? I know a lot of guys like that. They'll just they'll just screw with you all the time and bust your balls. What about Janice Chapman? Is she's she's in some of your movies, isn't she? She played Pamela the Punisher poet in uh, the Bros movies, where Megan came up with that because we knew she did some dominatrix work, and we needed somebody to do like a, a weird performance. We were going to have a band called the Twats. Whereas all these girls that had like male fans and they were going to be like, we love you, go to hell, you pigs. And they just were like mean to their audience. But none of the, none of the bands wanted to do it. So Megan said, uh, why don't you just get like Janice to do some dominatrix thing? And, and I'm like, well, what does she do? She goes, I don't know. Ever like do poetry, poetry. She was like, a, I go Pamela the Punisher poet, you know? So we just went with it and, and then we got a gimp with her you know, a little gimp playing the bongos. So we just laughed about that. We're like, okay, that's fun. <laughs> that's just fun. We are talking with Don Zilla, an Iowan who went to film school, has been making films, in addition to do his stand-up. You really got me intrigued, Don Zilla, uh, talking about your movie called Happies. And you can uh, let our uh, viewers in on, again, where we can find this to watch it. Oh, it's on Amazon, but just go to Tubi because Tubi's free with ads. All right. So you just go on um, Tubi, you just click on the link, and you basically can watch it on your phone, uh, laptop, computer. If uh, Most of the TVs now have that streaming service on it. You just click on it, search Happy's YS, and it's just, um, I mean, it's a simple-looking uh, cover. It's just a, the logo Happy's. Now... This kind of an independent film, would that qualify for, like, the Iowa Motion Picture Awards, or is that um, separate? We're not members of anything in Iowa. We were our first year, and um, we uh, we just, we're not part of, we're not members of any of that stuff, because we're never allowed, uh, we're not allowed any grant money or anything. I see. And we found this is really sad to say in Iowa we don't get treated so well by the arts community in Iowa so we just try to stay away from all of them oh really the, the theater the theater actors have treated us like I mean they have treated us horribly um, we just kind of push away and stay completely away from all of that and you know because we're like we're not going to be accepted at their little well, room at the I... lunchroom so I would promise it. you that if you were to ever call me, I would welcome the chance to be a part of any of your films. Well, we might need you. We might need you. We need you a little bit more round, though. <laughs> I, you know, I find, you know, I was, uh, I was on season three of The Biggest Loser. No kidding! I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, it's a well-kept secret. But that was the season where they took one person from every state. And and while I made it to represent Iowa, I didn't I didn't get to go to the ranch. Okay. I had to come home like 37 of us I think, 36, 37 of us had to return to home after being out there for a couple of months and work out at home. Oh jeez. And and uh that that led me to believe, because I wasn't invited to the house, and I saw those, of course, that were, and that may be the first time in my life where I said, 
I'm not fat enough. <laughs> oh, they've had some. They, the, some of those people are some just more gigantic. Yeah. When when uh when we all fifty of us were there, there would be workouts and meetings and filming this and that and reality TV turns into all right, we're gonna do another take, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when we were in our meetings, we had these wooden folding chairs where all fifty of us were listening to Bob and uh, what's her name and. And you could count on at least once, sometimes two or three times, you'd hear a crash, the wooden chair would oh, break, man. and somebody would go right on their ass on the floor. And that, and they were all pe- pecked, by the way. <laughs> they wanted, oh, my they God. wanted you as fat as you could be. So, oh, man. Uh, so I... I'm familiar with reality shows. I've been in a couple of movies. I am your Huckleberry. You got to call okay. me. I want to be in. So you were you were in a movie, uh, and you went to the premiere, only to find out that your scene was cut out. Yes. One of the Which hazards. Which movie was that? It was called uh, The Crazies with Timothy Oliphant. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, that horror film. That was cool. It um, was, and I was uh, with three or four other guys. It was going to be the end scene, and uh, it turned out they went with an alternate ending. Oh. The, the, the beauty of that was, you'll appreciate this, I was dating this girl at the time. I took her to the premiere that was there in Des Moines, and I kept bragging about, you know, my scene. She seemed initially pretty impressed. And so when I told her, I go, okay, this is it. This is it. Because I recognized the scene and, you know, the upcoming part of the film. And it was something completely different. And then it was the end. Oh, no. (laughs) And this gal looked at me and just laughed at me like there was no Oh, man. (laughs) And I talked to the... They didn't tell you? They should have told you. Yeah. And the casting director, I went up to her. I said, what happened? She said, well, they... They must have went with an alternative ending. So that oh, was man. my one chance to be a big shot. And I ended up on the cutting room floor. Oh, jeez. Something that, that won't that happen when movie. I appear in your film, correct? <laughs> no, no. I make sure everybody stays in it. You <laughs> so. could. The you ones know, that will show up, they got to yeah. be in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anybody shows up gets in. <laughs> when we premiere the next movie of yours I'm in, I'll call that girl and bring her. <laughs> now you gotta do it. That's funny. So, can you tell us just chronologically list the movies that you made and where okay. to find? Uh, well, 2017 was the first. Um, it was the short adult shop mop. That's just an eight minute short. Um, that's what got me the film loan for Bros. Bros was 2017. Then we did Bros on the Rocks, which was 2018 of spring. And then I finished Bros Last Call because I got Caroline Spine to be in the final scene that they do the song about Waterloo, the Sullivan Brothers. That was uh, fall of 2018. Uh, spring of 2019, I made uh, Love Struck Sick, which my nephew uh, plays the co-lead in it. It's a little love story. That's our only drama. 
which it's uh, that's on Tubi. They just got that on Tubi. That was a very sweet little movie. Then also the end of 2019, I made the short film Red, which we turned into a feature. So 2020, the feature Moving On Phase came out. 2020, which is a romantic comedy, and then 2020 Red came out in the summer, which was our big horror film. And then uh, 2020, uh, one of my favorites, The Last Regret, a very sweet movie where a girl moves back to Waterloo, Iowa, after she finds out her uh, boyfriend's a gay furry in Chicago, moves back and then be a, takes on a job at the uh, adult bookstore. <laughs> so I, I love that. That's I love a twist. That yeah, Last Regret, that's on Tubi. And now uh, Happies was uh, the first one out in 2021. And then we'll have Sin that is coming into a theater July. That's the continuation of Red. So I've just basically have been working like crazy to get these things in and done. So uh, what is the least amount of money you ever put into a, a film and what's the most? Uh, least amount's 5000 The most is uh, probably nine. <laughs> you are on a budget there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just... Uh, uh, we, Organize own filming, know what the cameras can do. The, the key is to basically, you do what you can do. Um, you run into trouble when you're going after something you can't get done. You basically just have to inventory of what can get done, what's the best we can do with what we have. And the, there's many advantages to Iowa, though. Uh, no film permit. Uh, for the most part, people will leave you alone. Uh, but you can't let people know what you're doing. So when people come around, they're like, what are you doing? Oh, we just say, well, a student project. Then they'll shut up. They'll leave you alone. But if you say, oh, we're making a movie, they won't leave you alone. They'll screw with you the entire day and try to ruin it. So Iowa is filled with people who do not care but will not let you do it. Like, really? oh, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of you. They will screw with you even though they don't care, but they'll make it known that they don't care and screw with you the entire day. So you got to be very careful and just kind of well, keep it Well, I appreciate you how you make Iowa look pretty good, I think. Oh, yeah, I'll always do that. And I always you... stay on the positive side. Because Waterloo, I yeah, that's I wanted to make it look like a, a good place because so many people don't make Iowa look good. And, that's for sure. You know, there is, uh, there is out of the... Out of the one bad thing about Iowa, there's nine good ones, nine good things. So for every bad thing, there's nine things that are good. So you can well, I hope those. Good Morning Southeast Iowa was one of the good things. There you go. There you go. Now I produced a. I I, I have one credit where I produced a, a one of Don Zilla's productions in uh, Atumwa at the Bridgeview Center, and that that actually got great reviews, didn't it? That's um yeah that one's a that's a nice little uh, comedy special. Um, that was a fun night too. Yeah, uh, that was a cool. That's a cool place. I like that bridge view. I'd like to. I'd go back there sometime, but I gotta get. I gotta get back in the shape to be able to do that stand up again. You gotta be able to run around a stage and and drink scotch, and <laughs> you gotta be able to do those things again. So. Okay, well, we're out of time. We gotta wrap it up. Right, Is buddy. anything else you want to plug? No, before? that'd be all. Thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. Good to good to uh, see the round guy, yeah. Well, so, and we'll keep in touch. Get a hold of Brom. That's <laughs> my uh, producer who does casting. So get a hold of Brom's Wingley. All right. Thanks Don, a lot, Don. Don Zello, was, I was tickled to meet you. All right, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, now we got to get Bob Zaney on the line. Boy, it is warm today, isn't it? It is hot. Come on, my phone's not working. 
He's good. Donzilla is good. He, he was a good interview, wasn't he? I told you he'd be a good interview. Well, you were right. Oh, gosh darn it. How do I get to my... My phone's so hot, it's acting funny. Okay. Come on, come on, Bob, call me. My phone's overheated. Oh, crap. Uh, we're going to cut this segment off and start again.